Donald Jeffries. Donald Jeffries. Author of Hidden History and Survival of the Richest. Host of The Donald Jeffries Show. Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray Valentine. Host of the Infinite Fringe Podcast. Researcher, truth seeker from the Bronx, New York. Tony Arterburn. Tony Arterburn. Radio host, combat veteran, precious metals analyst, and alt historian. Together, they take on the headlines of the week, decode the disinformation, and plow through the mainstream propaganda. Unauthorized, unscripted, and unintimidated. Unintimidated. This is America Unplugged. Unauthorized, unscripted, unfriendly to globalist goblins. This is America Unplugged. (laughs) I'm Tony Arterburn filling in for Billy Ray Valentine. He's on a an unknown mission. I usually link it to something like he's uh, looking for the Holy Grail or he's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Right now, I don't know. I think he's going to do a shot-for-shot remake of Trading Places, I think. Uh, we've got one of the usual suspects with me, the legendary Don Jeffries is here, author of Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, host of uh, I Protest with Donald Jeffries. Uh, Don, welcome to your own show. It's always a pleasure, and it's uh, wonderful to have Guard here as well. He's a suitable fit-in for a fill-in for Billy Ray Valentine. I think so too. And we have Guard Goldsmith, uh, a magnificent human being, researcher, uh, MRC TV contributor, host of Liberty Conspiracy. He's a novelist. He's written for Star Trek: The Outer Limits. He's a Renaissance man, ladies and gentlemen. The great Guard Goldsmith. Hey, thanks for the invite, Tony. Don, good to see you, man. And uh, yeah, thanks. I got to get cranking on more fiction. It's the only thing that can take me away. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I got to get somebody to publish it. That's the problem. I can't get anybody to publish it. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. You can't you can't write it any crazier than it's already going on, though. It's like, what's the use of fiction? Yes. We, got, we got the World Economic We're form. in dystopia. We're in dy- we can't write dystopian fiction. We're living it, you know? It's, yeah. It reminds me of that report back from 2020. I think one of the contributors for the Black Mirror, the show Black Mirror, mm-hmm. said he, yeah. they, they weren't going to write anymore because we lived in the Black Mirror now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like watching the old Twilight Zones. I'm like, this is kind of quaint. I feel comfortable in the in the Twilight <laughs> Zone of Rod Serling. I don't know so right. Klaus Schwabi and dystopia, but uh, well, gents, I wanted to open up, uh, and we've this show has become a lot like the History Channel in the '90s. We just talk about World War II. Uh, yeah. I think we are all we talk about World War III now. That's kind of my wheelhouse. But I wanted this is the and this is going to be a short part of the show. But the Associated Press. Uh, or American propaganda, whatever, associated propaganda, they put out, immediately jumped on that story um, from this past week about how Russian missiles had struck NATO uh, ally, a Poland, or NATO member, rather. And uh, then they were like, oh, well, sorry about that. They, they don't recognize the danger in what they did at all. Or maybe they do. Maybe they are that psychotic. But this is uh, Summit.News. Associated Press issues correction. It's fake report. <laughs> which could have kicked off World War Three, and hence uh, I just wanted to get your take on this. I mean, this obviously they so many of the well, the usual suspects as well on the other side of this. They jumped on the fact that uh, there was a missile; it did hit uh, Polish territory, and then you know they had unnamed U.S. intelligence officials, unnamed, uh, unsourced, but they were, they were for sure. It was Russia and they were launching, you know, this was their strike in the opening salvo of world war three. 
we can't seem to get away from this thing. And uh, I said yesterday on my show, it's like the warmongers and the powers that be in the West. It's like they're just they love this area. They want to keep going back to Poland like it's 1939. They really want the world war to kick off. And I said, it's a lot like a, an old uh, boyfriend that's now stalks his ex-girlfriend and drives past <laughs> her house at night to see who's there. They really want they really want something to kick off in this area. But uh, Don, I'll throw it to you. Um, what, what was your take on on this latest stunt to see if we would if there would be any traction for us to get behind a Armageddon? Yeah, well, I wasn't surprised, certainly, at the initial reaction. I mean, that's what happens all the time. But and, uh, what is a little different is that now what looked to be maybe the opening salvo of a false flag uh, was quickly changed. And that seems, with Tony, you and I have talked about this a lot, about how that we seem to, every week when we discuss, it seemed to be on the precipice of World War III. Seems like it's going to happen, and too many people in our world make predictions this is going to happen, and, and nothing does. And I hope it stays that way. But maybe they've just they'd like this perpetual cloud hanging over us or something, you know, because they just saw how well the fear porn worked with COVID. So maybe they're doing it that way. But uh, it it had all the earmarks of a false flag, except typically in the past, if you go back to the first modern false flag, well, modern, the first false flag I know of in America was uh, 1898, the sinking of the Maine. And, uh, you know, they, they played that for all it was worth. Remember the remember the Maine, the hell with Spain. And we took one of those deadly steps over the line. And we went into something we had no business going into. And uh, it, you know, it wasn't, it took a while, but eventually, yeah, you know, actually the, the Spanish didn't, you know, they, they didn't blow up the main. And court historians admit that now. Same thing with the Louisitania in World War I, almost the same script. Germans, eventually they'd say, oh, you know, actually it wasn't the Germans, you know. And so they'll admit belatedly, but you, this was what, a day or two that they admit, well, actually, you know, no, it wasn't a Russian missile. But the problem is that initial report and most people again are they have such short attention spans they want slam dunks all the time so they get that initial report and they're already predisposed to predisposed to hate putin and hate russia so oh god you see what he did but and so they don't even pay attention to it. it's like the new york times or the washington post publishing false information which they do all the time misinformation or disinformation if you will and they'll, if they uh, print a retraction, it, it might be on page A18 or something like that, buried in the back. So when people used to read newspapers, they didn't necessarily get the retraction. Same thing on, you know, whether it's uh, television news, uh, they didn't generally issue retractions on air. And so this is the problem is that uh, the initial report is what stays. But I mean, all of us who know this, this entire thing, and I don't know what the end game is, I said it many times, I don't know if they're actually going to go into some kind of war and there those troubling things out, out there, okay, that you have uh, the most popular one being that uh, we, we already know we've had all these videos that were not taken during this time that they tried to claim as to what's going on there now. We know that Zelensky uh, and uh, people like uh, Bono, you know, who's basically an international charlatan, you know, with his one foundation, he's not a musician, he's anybody can listen to you too when that clown is, you know, in ahead of it, but uh, people like that, he's giving a concert right in the middle of a war zone, and uh, one war zone, you know, they're having a Vogue uh, pictorial right in the middle of the war zone, all this stuff going on, and then you have the pictorial, the meme out there, well, it's not even a meme, it's the uh, uh, where you'll see the video of the supposed body bags in the background. And this is portrayed as coming. Oh, look how awful it is in Ukraine. And one of the guys pushes the body bag up and you can see smoking a cigarette. I don't know what that means, but that's why you have so many of us at the bottom of these rabbit holes because 
that means something. And it doesn't indicate to me this is a dire situation. And you have the Republicans in Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that. The, it's about the best we have, but uh, they, they are demanding. I mean, I think it's very reasonable to demand that a, a, a forensic audit of where all these all this money has been going, because a lot of us believe that it's not going to anything. You know, we have these rumors in Ukraine that they've uh, been buying uh, properties, expensive pro properties and so on. All these rumors you hear. Well, let's find out that. I mean, I don't think it should be going there at all. I wish the Republicans say we you know, we shouldn't be sending a penny at all. But at least that's a start. It's like auditing the Federal Reserve. It's a start. So let's see that. But this is. Unfortunately, you have people, they bought into the Zelensky character. It's very Hollywoodish. He's not believable in any way, shape, or form. He's not, he's, you know, he's no warmer than Hitler was. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a warm personality. He's very brusque and he's not, he's very ungrateful for the, how, how many billions have we given him? A hundred billion? I don't even know what it is, but uh, obviously people uh, ought to be fed up with it. But we just had an election, Tony, and, uh, you know, we've, we heard it was free and fair. And apparently... It's a giant thumbs up to all these people because they just voted them all back. So, so enjoy, enjoy more fake Russian missiles in there because that's what you uh, just voted for. I saw a meme yesterday and it said, uh, and today's 1.3 Powerball, 1 billion Powerball winner. <laughs> and it had, it had Zelensky, we had a little mustache over him. <laughs> yes, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> and the winner is, uh, well, Guard Goldsmith, uh, your take on, <laughs> I think it's the latest in a series of attempts by our warmongering overlords to get us to take the bait. It, it reminded yeah. me, and I'll, again, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you, but it reminded me of just how many times they attempted to get the Syrian narrative to change over the years with the same, they ran the same play and then it would just never really take, like the media <laughs> would take it and the people would go, ah, that doesn't look right. And this seemed to me like an extension of that. Uh, what's your take, my friend? You you anticipated exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly it. Uh, I, these guys, it's like it's like they just want to take a page out of Prince and party like it's 1939. You know, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> don't, don't ever let the elevator bring you down. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, it's exactly what like what they were trying to do with Syria. And, uh, you know, over and over, I don't know, at least two, maybe three times in Syria, they had the red line. You know, and then they said, oh, the, uh, yeah. Assad's dropping chemical weapons. And then uh, MIT students are like, well, you know, we're working with our professor here. And the trajectory of this shows that it, it didn't come from Assad. And, and then they get the pieces of one of them like, no, nah, this actually came from some armaments that came out of Turkey. And, oh, hey, here's here's uh, here's uh, some of the uh, um, what was it the um, Al Nusra Front connected people knocking out a rescue air aircraft trying to pick up a couple uh, Russian guys who weren't actually in Syrian airspace. And oh, look, here's the plate manufactured in the United States on the anti-aircraft yeah. weapon, you know, bringing it down. I mean, complete war crimes, what these guys are doing. And yet, you know, you don't hear anything about that, really, unless you're following anti-war, you know, maybe Scott Horton or uh, even Democracy Now!, I think, covered that pretty well. They did a good, good, good job on that. And there was a German uh, German reporter who covered that. And that's exactly the same thing here. And the, the, the ironic thing that gets me is, okay, so does this now mean that Ukraine fired on a NATO member country, which then would invoke their precious Article 5 and mean that all the NATO countries now have to declare war against the country that they've been funding with over $80 billion yeah. in weapons 
and and expertise. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it makes no no sense whatsoever. And we're supposed yeah. to buy this. I mean, again, yeah. does anybody really believe that the Russian military would have any problem just occupying Ukraine and knocking out all resistance within what seventy two hours if it really wanted to? What it's right. doing is right. it's playing a long game trying to get a diplomatic solution without going into a catastrophic World War III situation. So launching on Poland makes no sense whatsoever. But our media is so dumbed down. And even I, a lot of the commentators, even in like, you know, conservative media are dumbed down or they love war so much, they're willing to grasp this. I think it was even like some people like, oh, I won't mention names, but you guys know there's some like people with blue check marks and alternative media that were even calling for, uh, for strikes on on Russia after if this was confirmed, and I'm like, this is totally not confirmed. It's not. It's not going to be confirmed. This is a false flag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing that the thing that really gets me is I think there's there's been a nice shakeout. Uh, thankfully, yeah, this is one of the areas where I find some some sucker. Um, and I, not, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna get you sucker like that great movie, um, the Wayans <laughs> Brothers. But sneaking into the movies, you know. But um. Yeah, I get a little bit of uh, a little bit of satisfaction knowing that because there's such a great profusion of technology in our hands. When they've got Bono down there playing with the edge and the subway thing, and they've got uh, Ben Stiller doing interviews, and they got yes, uh, you ben know, Stiller. Uh, oh man, you know, and they got Academy Award. Uh, what's what's the name we brought John over Penn. the Academy Award? John yeah, Penn. Sean Penn, yeah. and they're walking along, and they've got that oh, handheld yes. thing going through the, and they show the plate on the ground. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, we can all do that too. I got it on my phone, you know. So we know it, it's reduced the the glitz and the glamour of the Hollywood narrative, such that as long as you're not a complete mm -hmm. dunderhead, you can so, sort of catch on to the fact that these are just people. They're ambulatory pieces of flesh, just like all of us. We've been blessed by God, and they're doing bad mojo. And they're taking our money to do it and they're just feeding us a bunch of lines so i think that, that you know the reduction in hollywood's prestige has also sort of reduced the number of people who will believe this sort of nonsense and also has attracted us to find each other you know and and find these great outlets of information i was watching scott horton with uh with judge napolitano from uh, uh judge napolitano's youtube show yesterday and Scott's yeah. been out there, you know, he's been like the one flag flying in the wind for so long. He's getting bedraggled, but no, he's back. He's rocking. And because uh, people are actually paying attention, they can find his stuff now. So good. You know, it's cool. So I don't know what's going to happen as far as the war stuff goes. But as far as my personal satisfaction and being able to differentiate truth from lies, again, I've been happy. You know, I'm with you guys and I'm finding the right people. I'm not getting fooled. Well, we're glad you're here, and I'm, I'm going to channel my yeah. inner John McLaughlin. Uh, the answer is they've jumped the shark. Issue two. Pretty the meat of bonds. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is uh, the next subject, <laughs> issue two coming up. The G20 pushes vaccine passports for all future international travel for your safety, ladies and gentlemen. The G20 has issued a formal decree promoting vaccine passports as a preparation for any future pandemic responses and its final communique. Um, of course, there's a uh, little blurb here from Wall Street, Silver, Twitter on uh, Zero Hedge. G20 to adopt vaccine passports. They have a little clown world emoji. Let's have a digital health certificate acknowledged by the WHO because, hey, the WHO is, uh, <laughs> is controlled by someone who's not a doctor and funded by people who aren't doctors. Uh, if you've been vaccinated or tested properly, then you can move around 
said Indonesian health minister in Bali. Well, I covered this a little bit yesterday on my show. I'd love to get your take. Don Jeffries, uh, I mean, they're not talking about the COVID-1984 uh, shot, uh, but they are talking about future shots and things that, you know, like when Fauci came out right. in 2017 and said, it's this administration is definitely going to have a pandemic of proportions. And it's yes, going to happen. Yes. He was 36 minutes. I got to make a call real quick. But he was, he was doing that. He was saying that and predicting it. Is this, is this uh, predictive program, uh, is this predictive programming, Don Jeffries? What are we looking at? Yeah, well, you know, in, in my, I'm finishing up my book on the pandemic, tentative title, Masking the Truth. And I have all this stuff in there. It's just amazing how many people from Fauci and certainly noted non-scientist Bill Gates, who apparently is in charge of all this. You know, I, I don't know exactly how, what his qualifications are, but uh, he was he was predicting this stuff constantly. He, go, he goes back. He did an interview in George magazine with JFK Jr. before they assassinated uh, Jr. And uh, they talked about uh, uh, he was mentioning it then about the you know what could happen in the future. This year, time in the 90s about a future plan. And, and again, I, I stress over and over again in, in my book and it, about this is that this makes no sense. There was no reason for any of these people to be anticipating some kind of pandemic because the, the ones they tried to pass off as pandemic before were, were big nothing burgers as far, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, the Ebola and as far as in, ter in terms of America. Anyway, and, uh, but really the only one we've had in our history of American history is the Spanish flu. In 1918, that certainly was a, a horrible, killed millions around the world. But why would they be anticipating this? You're talking about uh, over 100 years later. Why would they be anticipating this? We're, we're overdue for it. What, what do you mean? And, and I put the onus always on this stuff. Is it, you know, I talk about the medical industrial complex all the time. They brag about it all, even though they're before the pandemic, pandemic, they were the third leading cause of death. The medical, the medical industry was the third leading cause of death. They tell you, they admit it, not a conspiracy. I think that if you factor in all the vaccine deaths that they're hiding up and all the deaths by a hospital, like my brothers and people they've killed there, uh, I think they're number one now. I think right now they're the leading cause of death in America. I feel pr pretty confident in saying that. And uh, so to why, at this point, why, why would anybody trust them? You know, we're talking about the the, uh, the the Russian missile and everything. Why would anybody trust that with all the history of false flags? Why would you trust these people? If you've dealt at all with the medical industrial complex, you'd have to work for them like I did. You know how bad they are, how horrible the system is, how much more often they fail than succeed. You know, we hear the, 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 the success stories, but no, no, they fail a lot more than they do. I mean, after all, they're the third leading cause of death, probably number one now. So for them to, for, to listen to anything they say, and they've, they've been in charge of this entire production. And now they're still talking about vaccines, even though it's coming out. I have all the stats. I book the UK Health admits that 91% uh, of all alleged COVID uh, since this thing began were vaccinated. 91%. So again, they're telling you that. And it's out there. It's hiding in plain sight. The CDC is full of these statistics where you have uh, uh, a 4,000 and some percent increase in miscarriages for vaccinated women. One statistic I read said 90% of all vaccinated women now who are pregnant miscarry. I mean, this is, so if, if we have, if we're depending on this medical industrial complex, shouldn't they be able to defeat this virus, whatever it is? 
they don't seem to be doing a very good job of defeating. They should be able to handle, but then they should have defeated cancer, shouldn't they? Which they created. They should have been able to defeat all these other maladies. They don't. How many much money did Jerry Lewis raise for muscular dystrophy? Did they make one iota of progress on that? How many billions? I don't know. Maybe trillions were raised there. People, why are you trusting these people? You talk about conspiracy theorists, and you don't trust us. What have we ever done? to screw up the world. At, at worst, we're just wacky, lovable guys that you can just laugh at. But I mean, we've never done it. These people that you're trusting, I mean, just look at, you know, I had to go to the vets today and uh, they're still requiring masks in there. And I just, <laughs> I, I want so much that, but the people that I understand, they're, they're scared, they're rationally scared, but look at any box for these little hospital type masks they give you. Every one of the boxes has a label on it says this this will not protect you against viruses. So, I mean, how stupid do people have to be? And I know it's not popular to call people stupid, but I'm sorry. You are if you're doing this. You're trusting this stuff. So vaccine passports is a logical thing. Uh, if they decide to push it, it's just our good fortune that they haven't pushed it farther than they have. Because I think, you know, it's, to whatever extent the elections are real shows, to whatever extent you walk around and you see the people that were mad or obeying this stuff, we're still severely outnumbered. So if they did do the vaccine pass, I don't think you're going to see that much uh, blowback on it. R really, we're at their mercy now, how far they want to push it. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if this will come to pass or not, but I don't have very much confidence people because how they could possibly these, what we're doing is we're basically listening to instructions from a bunch of used cars. That's what, that's the level of trust they should be. These people are her. And at worst, they're people like So people should know that and then people die. This is what, what eugenicists thought. We talk about here. He's the one who's credited with that. But all these people believe that. And they've said it on the record way more often than Hitler did. They're constantly talking about, oh, yeah, I want to come back. You know, Prince Philip, I want to come back as a virus so I can kill me. He said it twice. Uh, you know, you have people like Jacques Cousteau, Ted Turner. I mean, it's all all these people are everywhere. Even people I like, like Nikola Tesla, uh, were eugenicists. They H.G. Wells, George Bernard Shaw, these people, and certainly Woodrow Wilson. You'll find out in Hidden History 3 how you know he started the first forced sterilization program back when he was governor of New Jersey. And the person who ran it was a guy. Guy who ended up in uh, what, thirty years later, he ended up in I think it was Buchenwald, as the co the doc the, the doctor at Buchenwald who that's who ran you know Woodrow Wilson's now how he went to there I don't know but he did, so these people are everywhere the eugenicists, they're the ones telling you what to do so <clears throat> please start I know everybody's listening to the show is thinking but uh, it just it disillusions me that we can't get more people to think so short short answer Tony no I am against vaccine passports. Myself as well. I would I would trust a random <clears throat> telemarketer uh, a thousand percent more than any of these people associated with the WHO. <laughs> uh, what a, what an absolute part. Uh, Gar Goldsmith, uh, your take on the G20. Your overlords want to make sure that you're safe so you can move around. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to get your opinions, you guys, because uh, I was watching this and it made me think a lot about how in a lot of these large segments of people's lives, uh, the predators take advantage of fear and crises and things like that. You know, we always heard that classic line from Rahm Emanuel, never, never waste a good crisis. And then Hillary Clinton repeated it. 
And I, it's fascinating to me because I, I see, and of course, Ezekiel Emanuel helped uh, construct the uh, Obamacare thing with the death panel thing on it and said that he didn't want to live past 75 because he looks at human beings as basically batteries. And he thinks that uh, at a certain point, you've gone past your shelf life and uh, the government can't keep putting stuff into you that you're not getting given them back in taxes and things like that. So they already see us as, as cattle on a farm. And uh, it's the way that they manipulate us. So everything from uh, fear mongering about our defense to fear mongering about a virus, to about our health, to even fear mongering about class conflict. You go back to Marx and Engels and dialectical materialism and, and uh, even dialectical historicism, right? And, um, and you know, there's this, there's this idea of, well, uh, we're going to fight the big corporate bad guys. We're going to fight the big bad guys by forming a corporation. We're going to fight. We're going to defend you by creating the biggest military in the history of the planet and spreading all over the place and messing with everybody. And we're going to take your cash. You know, it's just like they said when when the Jews were going to have a king. They said, don't do it. Don't do it because they're going to take your guys and put them in the military They take your women. They're going to, you know, they're going to take a, a bunch of your cash. They're going to take your best cattle. And, uh, and that's what they do. And, and, and it's, it's interesting to me how in so many of these facets, especially we look at the G20 and vaccine passports, it, and, it, and I, I was looking at what they were doing with Ukraine. And I thought to myself, you know, they've got this, they've got this mindset of you've got to work with the big, big entity rather than decentralize and have things where if at least if there's a mistake, at least you can escape to a different spot and go away. The right to exit in political philosophy. You can't do that because they need your power. The small group is incapable of handling itself down to the individual. You're incapable of handling yourself. And yet, of course, that runs into the platonic problem of, well, if I'm so stupid, I can't handle my own life. How can I vote for somebody to not only handle my life, but all your lives, too? So, so to me, it, it, it smacks of contemporary times meeting historical errors and this sort of weird inescapable problem that we run into where the predator class, whatever, whatever group it is, whether it's the military industrial complex or the pharmaceutical industrial complex or the class envy industrial complex, they say, fight, fight the power whatever it is, the foreign power or the viral power or the climate power, whatever it is, by giving us the power. <laughs> and and then you're not even giving it to them. They're taking it from you. You know, they they assume your acquiescence. It's it's amazing. It, it blows my mind. And there's so many ways, you know, I mentioned off the air. There's another story that that I that I got to cover this week about Al Gore. And it just perfectly fits all of this, this elitist crap that they shovel down upon us. It's incredible. Oh, uh, Al Gore is a subject we should go over sometime. I mean, uh, he, the guy makes predictions. They clearly don't come true, and nobody calls on it. I mean, it's no. pretty amazing. He's got, we got a lockbox for the 21st. Remember the lockbox? It's going to put Social Security inside a lockbox. And, uh, yeah, and then he just like, well, I, what, what else can I do? And, you know, he's kind of like the old communist when, when Gorbachev, uh, was uh, well, he lost his job because the Soviet Union disappeared. A lot of those old Politburo members and high end communists became part of the green movement. I don't know if you guys know that they became yeah. part of the international green movement. And it's kind of like Al Gore, he didn't become president because the Supreme Court gave it to George W. Bush, I guess, for 9 11. I don't know. 
Uh, but anyway, he, he decided environment stuff and we only have 10 years. And then that, you know, that was what, 20 years ago. And that's yeah. really changed. That's why you see these same people. These, they, like, they regenerate the same kind of character. And if you go back to the 20, uh, 20, uh, yeah. 20 election, right? Prior to 2020 uh, and 2019, they were saying, we only have 11 years. And I'm like, wait, that's 2030. So they're like putting that agenda into yeah. place. You're absolutely right. Well, again, I think this is part of the, they ran the simulation. They ran uh, COVID-1984. That ha has, when well, it's still continuing, by the way, I read a story today that uh, Canada is getting rid, rid of millions of vaccines because they they're, they can't give them out. The same thing with Moderna. This story was, you know, four or five months ago. Moderna can't give it away. So they were having problems with that. That That's phasing out, at least that part of it, I think, with that particular deal but what they want to remind you is is that's one of their tricks that's one of their that's one of their uh bits of ammunition to use and and uh, one of their tactics and they've been running simulations on pandemics and lockdowns and it was very successful people the fear is very useful uh they get people to comply because the science in this is behavioral science as we've seen it's getting people to redirect them to think differently to take orders differently to have a, a different vision of the future so they're just reminding you i think this is a lot of uh i'll go from being very rational to probably my more uh, metaphysical side and i think this is predictive programming i think this yeah. is revelation of the method where they really want you to see this is what we're going to do next by the way it, it hasn't gone away you're not you know we're still under our thumb but you know it's after the canadian truckers I think they said, okay, good. They're, they're forming way too many coalitions. Let's give it a, and this is part of the, um, the, the pressure applied and the pressure taken away. It's military tactics to get you to, to have a different reaction. So I think a lot of our grassroots people have kind of shifted away and looking at other things. And right now I think they're, they're building the, the bones and putting the structure together for the next thing, whatever that is. Uh, but that's my opinion. And I think we've done well to resist it, but more people, information is power, ladies and gentlemen, more people know, uh, you know, you give them the history, you go back and show them Operation Dark Winter from 2001, you show them the event 201 from 2019, you show them the timelines, people start to realize that they're being gamed here. And uh, I think this is part of it. And the, the G20, I like my overlords uh, always coming up with new things, uh, and new ways to uh, enslave us. And we should just come up with new ways to resist them. All right. Well, since Billy's not here, we haven't talked about Trump. Uh, but I'll bring him up for a second because I want to get your guys' take on uh, this latest. Uh, we need Billy's impression of Donald Trump. Well, well Billy doesn't. I can't really do the, the oh, Trump. Yeah. Billy. He's a, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's a, yeah. I do a good Anthony Fauci and a lot of other people. But Trump's, I don't know. He's just not in my head. Yeah, um, your Fauci's excellent. Better no, than better than the real Fauci. I'll take you as Fauci any day of the week, man. <laughs> I still have a soul. Uh, yeah. Let's look at the, the headline. <laughs> showing yeah. uh, this special counsel, and it probes the Don. And uh, Bill Barr says indictment is likely. I, I, you know, we keep going round and round with this gentleman, and I just want to talk about this briefly. But issue uh, number three. <laughs> is, are, are they trying is this some kind of weird like uh, uh fourth dimensional warfare asymmetric stuff are, are they trying to get sympathy because don is tanking himself in the polls he's doing like he's he's coming he hasn't disavowed his his beautiful genetic code injection right he hasn't disavowed that 
Uh, he's th- he's he's bashing the other leading you know, likes of the only real victories out of the twenty uh, the the twenty twenty two midterms was DeSantis, which he bashed, and he's not doing well. Is this is this the elite way of bringing him back in? Because like the Mar-a-Lago raid raised his poll numbers and a bunch of contributions. Do they need to paint him? Do they need to put him under the yoke of a, an investigation or something like that to make him a a martyr to increase the base is, or am I off here? John Jeffries. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I stopped, I said, I stopped making predictions after Trump was elected in 2016, but if the, uh, I, I think if a possible prediction to make here would be that this maybe is the, uh, the Trumpenstein project is uh, petering off here. Maybe they decided it served his purpose. Uh, you know what I think of him? I think he was an actor and I think he was designed to appeal to, the populist sentiment out there, which he did. And uh, he, he had me interested for a while. And uh, there's there's like about 80 million people or however many it was that, that really voted for him that are kind of left hanging. And I don't know how many people that got disillusioned from him before that and but still are receptive to his original rhetoric. All those people are out there hanging in the wind uh, because you know, a lot of us have determined a long time ago, and I think everybody here <clears throat> has determined that uh, Trump wasn't the answer. That, you know, he was whatever, maybe not everybody thought he was an actor like him, but people, you know, realized that, you know, his rhetoric is way different than his record. Plus, he was, he never, even at his best, he said a pro rhetoric that he seemed he wants to execute drug dealers and th- things like that, that don't appeal to libertarians, certainly, that would, that would vote for him. So, uh, but since the election, this election, he's just gone uh, off the deep end. I mean, you, you have a, uh, all the anecdotes about him screaming. I don't, I don't know to what degree that's real again, because I think he's an actor. But uh, listening into is just unnecessarily poking DeSantis and this like, again, how much, it's hard to tell where Trump's ego really begins and how much of it is an act. Because it's hard to believe that somebody 76 years old or whatever he is could have that, or anybody could have that kind of an ego where he's actually, it's important to him to say uh, that he got more votes than DeSantis did in Florida or something. And he was talking about that. If he had real handlers and he was a real politician, people would say, God, that you know, that's, you know how that sounds. That sounds ridiculous, but that's what he's been doing. And uh, he continues to just kind of uh, mix this absurd boasting and bragging in with uh, a little bit, He'll throw a little bit of red meat here or there, but we've been through this. You know, we saw four years of him doing it, so I think people are tired of the circus act, but what do you do again? Those 80 million, I don't know how many of them are still loyal to Trump, but you know, I had Ashley Bobbitt's mom on the show a few weeks back, and you know, she's still very loyal to Trump. There's a lot of people lost her daughter. There are a lot of people like that, so they still think of him as the answer. And, and you know, maybe, again, we don't have a better hope than that. I really don't know. what. How does, how does DeSantis... Dan, for instance, on Ukraine. Is he a typical neocon? I bet he probably is. I don't know. Does he think Putin Putin man is bad? I, I, I have no idea, but I suspect maybe he does. He seems good on immigration, but I don't know. Would he be like if he got in there and, and if he see the same kind of points like we saw with Trump? Attorney General Bill Barr, who is here now saying he will be invited, which is ironic, considering while well, Attorney General, he and I didn't know that everybody wanted to. He did nothing, much as Trump did nothing. So I think the floor show is uh, has has grown old. But I, you know, if I made it, if I had to make a prediction, it, it wouldn't surprise me 
if they decided to keep this dog and pony show pony show going with the, the fake two party system. But they're never going to I don't think they're going to to whatever degree Trump was sincere. I don't think they're going to take a, a chance on somebody that might be a loose cannon again. So I don't think you're ever going to see like a DeSantis or anything. I, I said there would never be another Republican elected president, but who knows? They could do something where they'll they'll use the feud between uh, Trump and DeSantis to, to splinter the MAGA movement, the America First people, however many million of them they are. So neither candidate can get it. And, you know, they'll make it bitter enough to where, you know, the Trump people hate DeSantis and DeSantis people hate Trump. So they won't vote for him. So it could be that you if you go to old party politics and cigar filled, you know, back rooms, that that's when you would get the uh, the James Garfields of the world that would emerge, you know, they would come out of nowhere and okay, this is going to be kind of a, a compromise candidate. And that's where you could get really an awful rhino, like a Liz Cheney or somebody that apparently has presidential aspirations. That right there ought to tell you would be legitimate because how in an election. But, um, that's what scares me. You would get some of these awful rhinos out there or, uh, I don't know, Paul Ryan may run again or somebody like that. Somebody, they, they, they really are worse than the Democrats because at least you know where the Democrats stand. You know, they're pretty much lobbying for evil, evil nonstop. And, uh, but the Republicans are trying to portray themselves as something different and they're just, they don't stand for anything. So I, it will be interesting to see what is next for Trump. But yeah, I think he is, He's worn out everything. He has four years. Of, and those of us that are educated enough to remember his four years as president are not falling for the same nonsense that he's going to. He, he's not. He's talking about abolishing the Fed. That's his recent thing. He said we need to abolish it. Well, okay. Sounds great. But you were in there for four years and you had Steve Nuchin, you know, the Goldman Sachs guy as your secretary of Treasury. And he, he'll still talk about uh, uh, makes overtures about peace with Ukraine. But he had Gina Haspel. In there, who was the, the the architect of all that? Not to mention John Bolton was there for a while. So that's what is so absurd about Trump is that never has any politician that way quite a bit, but no one has ever been uh, had, had uh, been far removed in terms of what he did and who he appointed from his rhetoric than Donald Trump. Because and he and then he would be you know part of the act was to get on Twitter and uh, you know tweet and, and you know, attack the people that he appointed. And even say something like, maybe I should fire this guy or something like what, you know, so maybe some people miss that. I don't. But I think this last election should should show anybody that had any doubts that we're not going to vote ourselves out of it there. It's it's like if you have a bad boss at work, you're not going to be able to vote him off. Even if everybody in the company hates this guy, he's not going to let you vote him out of power. It's the same thing with him. They are. Why would all the all the effort they took? to build up this corrupt spoil system and give them all these benefits and uh, buy them off and accept these bribes. You, you really are not going to give you the power to, because if you did, if, if, if it was remotely, even as bad as most people are in this country, you would have seen a huge turnover still in, in Congress. Worst economy we've ever had. World War III on, on the brink with nuclear war, open borders, anti-free speech agenda, 57 genders. I mean, their country is, is just collapsing everywhere, the banana republic everywhere. And yet that you had less turnover than the average midterm election. They, they have a giant thumbs up to these people. So, you know, if the election was remotely real, I don't think that would have happened, but I could be wrong. Maybe people are just that stupid and that's where we are. But uh, 
Now, I, I won't be supporting Donald Trump again, but it'll be interesting to see where they go with him. I, I don't think you're going to see a consensus. The idea should be to try to get Trump uh, and have DeSantis as vice president or something. That's if you're, you know, political strategy. But I don't think that's going to happen with the uh, apparent feud that's going on. I agree. Uh, Gar Goldsmith, your take. Uh, what is this? What is happening right now? Is this uh, organic or is this some sort of uh, masterful play by the elites to make Trump into a martyr for 2024. Yeah, that's a tough call, Tony. And uh, I think your observation, uh, you were one of the first people I saw talk about this. And uh, I think that that is uh, definitely uh, rising in my uh, estimation as I look at uh, what's going on. Of course, you know, Trump Trump was never really uh, that strong policy-wise anyway. He was sort of like the bombastic kid out in the out on the, you know, the bully out in the schoolyard who talked a good game. And then when somebody came up to him, you saw the, the wet spot starting to form between his legs. You know, um, it, it's just one of those deals where he he, he was OK, uh, maybe on a couple things substance wise. And maybe it's my my prejudice, but uh, he would talk a little bit about uh, pulling out of Syria, not getting in, into war in Syria. And, and that, you know, had some substance. Yeah. Um, but typically it's a sort of. Uh, sort of hokey New York bombast that he has that occasionally uh, goes a little bit too far when he uh, attacks people like DeSantis, who uh, seems like a pretty likable guy, although there, you know, I have some major policy problems with him on a number of things. Um, uh, and uh, and the way he does these sorts of things, it makes you wonder, like, what is behind this guy? Is there anything behind this guy or are people pulling the strings to try to maneuver him into this sort of shadow play uh, theatrical position. Uh, I think DeSantis is very smart, uh, and I don't think he's part of this play. It's difficult to figure out, but uh, if there is a play, um, he's not responding, which is really smart. And uh, I think occasionally, just as far as the superficial level of it goes, and I don't get involved in any of the political politics in any way whatsoever, um, but occasionally, you know, you see Donald Trump talking to the crowd and he he seems like he's really on their level. You know, he seems like he really gets them. He appreciates them. Um, he's not necessarily a Christian, but he sort of speaks with a sort of Christian, uh, you know, atmos atmosphere to it, like a tinge of perfume of Christianity there, you know. Um, so uh, I it's I really don't know how to call it, but I think the other portion of the mix here is that regardless of how not to dismiss uh speculation about this but i think we can see that unless something is done for those people who really love voting to actually get away from voting machines and have paper ballots um you know they're going to put in whoever they want in there and it's not going to make a, a hill of beans a difference that's exactly right, my friend. I was just thinking about that. And I mean, your analysis is, is very apt as usual. And I was just yep. looking at this in a in a, a big picture scenario. And our next story, we're going to talk about what I think the end game here is. And uh, like you're just electronic voting. We don't know what's legitimate if you have electronic. If we don't have poll watchers, if we don't go back to having uh, the ability to have, you know, those those giant glass boxes where you'd put the ballot in, you see one ballot. We can go to one day, you know, not 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 vote, vote early and often vote one day. 
you know, make it a national holiday, all that. We don't have legit elections in this country. It doesn't matter if it's the Democrats or the 2000 mules. It's, it's the electronic voting. I mean, Don's written about this for years and years. You had vote scam going back decades. The people have been noticing that people in alternative media and researchers and good journalists have noticed this for years. My opinion, and this is just an opinion as we go into the last story of the show, is that they're going to need a Republican to carry out the central bank digital currency. They're going to need right. someone to pacify what's left of the resistance to globalism in this country, which is the right, the, the right and the populist movement that Trump championed and said he was going to run for and did not do. That's still there. That's MAGA pretty much, right? They, the, you know, against the, the free trade policies, bringing the troops home, having a border, you know, having a dollar as good as gold. That's the populist movement. Um, they're going to need those people to be satiated, satisfied, not pushing back. So they'll need, just like they had in the rollout for COVID-1984, you need a Republican at the head. It wouldn't have worked with anybody else. It wouldn't have worked with a Biden. There have been massive demonstrations. It wouldn't have been the summer of love and burning down things and pallets of bricks and BLM and George Soros. It would have been something else. So I think, in my opinion, this is the, the, the beginning of the formula that gets you the neocon. It'll be like a Nikki Haley or somebody in the 2024. That's the goal. I don't know that they'll make it, but... I think people should be aware this is the long game they're playing because the central bank digital currency is the crown jewel. It's what they want. They need the grassroots satiated, satisfied, and accepting of it. So let's take that to uh, the last bit of news that we're going to go through or uh, stories from the week. And we're going to go. This is um, the one I wanted. This is a article from Zero Hedge. And here comes the programmable dollars. The New York Fed and 12 banking giants launched digital dollar test. And again, the, start, the article starts out, it says, never let a good crisis go to waste or a market crash for that matter. With equity and bond markets stuck in brutal bear markets and pr providing a sufficient distraction to what's happening behind the scenes, the Fed and a group of banks have been quietly preparing for the next stage in, quote, organized cash pipeline. And it's the rollout for the central bank digital currency. So I wanted you to comment on this, Don. I mean, you wrote Survival of the Richest. We've spoken about this many times uh, on America Unplugged and my show and your show. I really want people to understand this is real. It's coming. Uh, it's, not your, it's not your father's dollar. It's not your grandfather's dollar. Yeah, we've been off the gold standard since 1971. It's been fake since then. It's probably fake before that. But... We are going to a digitized social credit store backed, uh, in the, again, with the, with the technology. This is what they're pushing. This is unlike what we have now. People, yeah, we have electronic money now. Yes, we do. But part, part of that is cash. Part of that is the, is the other markets. And as I've told people before, you know, 80% of all the $100 bills ever printed are not in this country. 65% of all the paper currency that was ever printed in the United States is not in this country. It's the world reserve currency. They want to remake the dollar into something else. And this is not about dollars. It's about control. I want to throw it to you, Don Jeffries. This is, uh, they're, they're probing the perimeter and the, uh, the, the game is afoot. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to imagine that they could, uh, <clears throat> create something worse than the federal reserve and, and uh, fractional uh, reserve lending. You know, I've talked about that a lot of people, Henry Ford said, if, Mer if Americans understood the banking system, there'd be a revolution tomorrow. Now, he was too optimistic because there wouldn't 
to bed because men just don't act apparently on anything. But uh, the way we're counterfeit system, you know how it works where they don't even have any reserves for years. They used to have to have 10 reserves so that 90% of all loans could be created out of thin air. Now hundred percent are. So I've said forever, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sham for anyone to have their home foreclosed on or your car repossessed or any of that, because all of those loans were created out of nothing. It's just like you and I lending money we don't have. And that's not, you know, that's so anyhow, as bad as that system is, though, I very much fear the, the digitalized currency system. And it, it's going to social credit score, which will make it that much worse. So people all through here, uh, we're going to have to form new locales, uh, new communities like our friend Vincent in the, over YouTube. They wants to and other people are talking about John Bush, the guy I had on the show last month, because uh, we're not having any alternative. We're not, we're not going to have access to money to be able to pay things. How really our mortgages, our rents, uh, food, anything like that, because all of us are going to be, I mean, we're already thrills. This will just make it official because any anything, I mean, especially somebody like me, I've got on the record, even if I returned and, you know, decided to, to start playing their game because I need to have money and I want to survive. Uh, I've still got all this on the record. I have 10 years on my blog. I've got all these interviews out there that people could just say, God, this guy's worst thought criminal ever. And so he, he you can't give you your money. God, you've got to uh, erase, uh, you know, 5,000 tweets and Facebook posts and burn your books, I guess, because that's what that's what it's based on, isn't it? And so I don't know, maybe they'll maybe they'll suck people in enough to make it not quite that Orwellian. So you'll still be able to pay your basic expenses or whatever you you can't take vacation. You can't take it anyhow because you won't get a vaccine passport. But uh, you know, because this is uh, you know your 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 social credit score is so low. But it, it ought to be everyone. Uh, um, I've tried to talk about it a little to me. My son certainly understands it, but uh, no one else around me does. And it's it's a terrifying prospect. But I don't have much. You know, I, I this this whole COVID nonsense has really disillusioned me beyond. I, I didn't think people were, that the majority of people were this stupid, frankly, or this gullible. Uh, they proved me wrong. And so I, I, I don't have any confidence that if they didn't roll this kind of currency out and they get, they get all, all your celebrities and they were tweeting about how great it is, which they would do, just like they sold these shots, uh, they'll just and those of us that object to it, you know, you got enough. It's like, you know, when they used to say, the, when they started approving the no-knock SWAT raids, uh, all the conservatives loved until a while ago, right? You know, so, uh, but uh, they loved it otherwise. But, you know, that all what they used to say was, you got nothing to hide. Sure, that Fourth Amendment, you know, what, you know what, let the cops in, you know, come on, let them search your car, let them in your house. You got nothing to hide. You got nothing to hide. What are you worried about, Right. That's the attitude there. Well, you know, what are you what are you scared of with the digitalized currency? Are you scared that you're not going to be because you got something to hide? I mean, you have some some criminal thoughts out there. You're a thought criminal. So this this is uh, all. It's it's gotten more Orwellian than I thought would be possible. This is everything that we feared, especially people that are free thinkers, uh, feared forever, and it's coming to pass. So it, I nothing that nothing has been stopped so far. I mean, where's the resistance? You know, resistance is futile, they say. Well, apparently it is because I don't see any resistance. I mean, people were wearing masks. They were, uh, they let their, their their relatives die. They didn't give funerals for their loved ones. They canceled weddings. They did all this because some ridiculous idiots like Bill Gates who aren't 
scientists told him they were Anthony Fauci, who has a track record, you know, going back decades of killing people with his uh, AZT drug, all the AIDS people that died unnecessarily. Because you know, these people have track records. It's easy to listen to them because the television told them to. And their celebrity friends who, ironically, a large number are dying now mysteriously before their time for some reason. I don't know. Uh, uh, they listen to them. So the same suspects would be out trying to sell this as well. And so I, I don't have much confidence. Uh, and I, obviously, I, I agree with you. It's, it's about the worst thing imaginable. We do need an honest money system. I don't understand it as well as uh, somebody like Tony does. And if I were president, I'd put somebody like Tony in charge of it. Uh, maybe consulting with Ron Paul, you know, people like that that understand this system better than I do. But I know enough to know the one we have is criminal. It's criminal counterfeiting. And I know enough that this proposed digitized currency would be even worse if that's possible. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something we all should be scared of. But again, I, I don't have much confidence. Well, Don, I would accept that position and uh, I would carry it out to the best of my ability. And I think it's just really about explaining to people this is money and this is currency. And if we have this currency linked to your behavior, that's mm -hmm. called a totalitarian <laughs> dystopia. That's not a free market. Uh, Gar Goldsmith, uh, <laughs> uh, final thoughts on the CBDC and uh, the, this uh, new, newest probe. Uh, what, what are you uh, what's on your mind? What do you think? Yeah, you know, Tony, I'm blown away by how uh, so many of these stories keep bringing back certain, you know, sort of pinpoint thoughts for me. Like you look at F.A. Hayek, right? Frederick Frederick von Hayek won, won the Nobel Prize for, you know, what it's worth now, owned by the Central Bank of uh, Sweden, I think. Uh, they bought it. But anyway, um, you know, he was one of the first people to sort of articulate something that we all we all in freedom circles pretty much know is that the larger the sphere of control, the less the less knowledge that that. Uh, the decision makers are going to have and the more screw ups they're likely to make the the more the the more decentralized it brings back this this uh, this theme you know i go back to 2013 cyprus right we they froze people's bank accounts they couldn't they were drawing money out of people's accounts and then they took an ecb european central bank uh vice president and put him in to head up cyprus they did the same thing in greece a number of years ago right so we've seen it. We've been aware of this, but so many people aren't. And the larger the area of control, the more the people who are trying to control will try to be able to control the narrative and the, the easier it is for them to, to, to get away with it. Because when you've got smaller areas of control, the people are right near the information. They're right near what's going on. They can check, you know, maybe there, you know, maybe there's some local disputes and things like that, but again, you can get away, right? So if you look at what's going on, with the first story that you brought up about the AP apologizing, you know, um, that's that's a classic example of the fact that if we were on the ground in that area, we would word would get around real fast. We would get around and a lot of our friends would know it. We would be responsible for getting that around um, here. We've got we've got digital currency. Who who is really afraid of this? People who are understanding of economics, maybe uh, Christian biblical prophecy and a few others who just, you know, get, want to give the middle finger to the appropriately. So the people who want to run their lives. Um, but in all these areas, they can pull off these charlatan boogeyman MacGuffins, as uh, David Knight appropriately says, as Alfred Hitchcock would say, uh, well, that's a MacGuffin, you know, um, uh, they can pull off these MacGuffins very easily because it's not directly connected to people's lives. And so when they uh, push, when they push uh, Aulas um, uh, uh, Amarova, 
the woman that they tried to push as comptroller a number of months ago. She went to Moscow State University. She's pushing an ECB. Um, they've got uh, they've got the the uh, um, who was it Mary Poppins singer with their stupid Truth Squad, right? The Truth Squad's still there, and now they got Michael Chernoff in charge of it. So the people you get these little flashes <laughs> because they're not directly connected to it the way they would be in a local area, the way they would be with their own market decisions. And I I'm really stunned that more people are not picking up the baton and recognizing how dangerous having an, uh, a fiat digital currency is. And, and it just makes me think, okay, hard currency. There's a great song by Wire called Hard Currency. And I, I'll send it over to you. And, um, and, and uh, you know, just get away from, from their crypto and, and try to use our crypto, you know? Right. I mean, and, and we, I see the, uh, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, on your program, my programs, the uh, FTX crash and all that stuff. And the crypto, the crypto winter, I think they're just trying to transition it into. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the fed dollar and all that stuff going on that's certainly something that we'll cover and i'll go ahead and close out the show but you mentioned uh, chertoff uh, being part of the newest ministry of truth or the, the whatever they're bringing in with the dhs and i and i wanted to, to uh, bring up the fact that jim mars years ago when they released that i think it was popular mechanics when they did they they refuted all of the 9-11 conspiracy so uh, like the they they propped up the pancake theory and all that stuff mm -hmm. he researched who they had they had fired all of their previous editors and writers and made a new staff and the head of that staff his last name was Chertoff. it was his cousin oh <laughs> man you can look it up uh just hey, that reminds me that reminds me we gotta gotta mention with that ftx thing and uh, you brought it up a number of people brought it up they already had all set janet yellen was all set to have more clampdowns and 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 liz warren's all over it more clampdowns on crypto you know, that's that's what they've been pushing for all along. It's just ridiculous. And did you see, by the way, the Intercept just admitted they got a bunch of money from FTX? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. They admitted they got like, I didn't even know it was, it was a massive <laughs> amount of money. And the editors were like, well, yeah, you know, we have to mention that we did get some money from FTX, but that didn't stop our reporting. I like, think, okay, I, I can see why Glenn Greenwald isn't with you anymore. I think Sam Bankman Fried is the uh, is the Ben Shapiro of crypto. Uh, you guys, you you guys can make your own uh, comparisons. Uh, well, this has been America Unplugged, ladies and gentlemen. The great Don yeah. Jeffries, DonaldJeffries.media. I'm plugging your website for you, Don. All all of his articles, his Substacks there, DonaldJeffries.media. You can find his books, links to Amazon. Magnificent writer, magnificent researcher. It's uh, honor to be associated with him. Gar Goldsmith, what is your website? Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, like I say, you know, we have to update the libertyconspiracy.com website. So right now, if people want to find me, they can go to my Substack. It's Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, -E Goldsmith, the Gardner family. They founded Salem. So we, we weren't responsible for the witch trials. They founded Salem, Mass. So it's Gardner <laughs> Goldsmith, that Substack. I, I had nothing to do with it. It's not my fault. I'm like Han Solo. It's not my fault. And uh, so, yeah. And, uh, and then they can go Liberty Conspiracy uh, videos are on BitChute. Uh, we put the videos over at Substack too. So BitChute, Rumble, and Odyssey. And then, uh, so that's Liberty Conspiracy videos over there. And if they want to find my regular stuff every week, I'm doing three, four, five articles and uh, two or three videos for MRCTV.org. We just found out, by the way, MRCTV is the most banned and shadow banned and, and pushed down in search engines of all the MRC divisions because they have multiple divisions. And of course, we're on the Google blacklist. So... Enjoy finding us. Honor, my friend.
and then yeah, you're know. on the right track. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. on the right track. All right, folks, AmericaUnplugged.com. Yes. You can go leave us a message. You can uh, give us some feedback. Uh, you can follow all of the podcast links, AmericaUnplugged.com. Uh, of course, sponsored by Wise Wolf, Gold, and Silver.com. Uh, look at Wolfpack. Guaranteed delivery, silver and gold, directly to your door. You can join the monthly membership and get some savings, Wolfpack.gold. Okay, I'll be back next week. Billy Ray will be back, and uh, that'll be a good day for me because I love it when Billy hosts uh, and uh, – he always has insight that I miss. So safe travels to Billy Ray Valentine. All of you, don't burn the place down. But if you do, notice all of the exits are illuminated. <laughs> I made sure I'm up to code in the back office of America Unplugged. <laughs> I'm going to play us out, Donna. See if I can do this and put the screen back up. We'll see you guys next time. Okay. <laughs>